So arguably one of the most important skills that you as a man can have, that you can commit to developing, that you can learn how to hone within yourself, is the skill and the discipline of learning how to think. And there's been many people, many philosophies, contemplative forms of religion that have looked at this, all the way from Aristotle and Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, all the way up to you know the philosophies of Kant and modern-day popular authors like David Foster Wallace. Uh, if you're not familiar with David Foster Wallace, he wrote uh, some books. Uh, he wrote one called Infinite Jest. Uh, it's quite large. Uh, it's quite in-depth. Uh, but he also is very well-known for a uh, a speech at a university called This is Water. And in that speech, he talks about learning how to think. Here's the reason why I believe this is so important. Mostly because for you as a man, you will likely have grown up in an environment where you've been told that your capacity to logically make sense of things, to be rational, uh, to have to have a logical and a rational mind and mindset is of high importance. And there's nothing to devalue that, right? The rational and the logical mind can be quite important within our daily functioning. Things like the intuitive mind, your gut, your intuitive intelligence is incredibly important as well. There's a very famous quote by Albert Einstein that says, the rational mind is a faithful servant and the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. And we have built a culture that has forgotten uh, the gift and honors the servant. And so in some ways, what Einstein is saying is, you know, your rational mind is the servant to your intuitive mind. But that doesn't mean that we should not learn how to use it effectively, uh, especially because for many of us, the rational mind can be a conduit to understanding our intuitive mind. And for the majority of you out there watching this, if you're if you've grown up in an education system like I have, uh, or like most of the people in, in the West and, and, I mean, just in the world in general, education is not about necessarily teaching you how to think. That's what hopefully college and university was designed to do, although I would, I think there's a lot of arguments as to whether or not it does an effective job of that today as the systems sort of collapse and critical thinking and critical discourse within university institutions becomes hyper-limited. Uh, most education systems, right, the grade one to 12, they are truly designed to have you remember, to memorize, to uh, intake information so that you can regurgitate it, not necessarily about being critical about those concepts or ideas or thinking about them in a way where you're sort of churning them over and questioning the validity and playing around with the with the edges of the idea or the thesis. And so the majority of us have not actually been taught how to think. You know, think if you just look at your education and maybe you're lucky, right? Maybe you maybe you did have a critical thinking class. Maybe you did have a debate class uh, that you were a part of as you went through your education. But the majority of people, that's not the case. For the majority of people, they haven't been taught how to think. And so in some ways, uh, Eastern religions, Eastern practices, Eastern philosophies have sort of taken over in the West as a means of helping people come into contact with their own thoughts. And one of the things that I see many men struggling with today 
is that they can't turn off their thinking. They don't know how to think because their thinking just happens. And they are inundated by what I call mental masturbation. And mental masturbation is just the repetitive motion of thinking about the same things, ruminating on the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. There's a kind of helplessness that I have seen the majority of men feeling with relationship to their own thoughts, that sometimes their thoughts just sort of happen and they go and they can't question them and they're not actually thinking about what their thoughts are. Their thoughts are just going, right? It's just sort of like verbally vomiting within <laughs> within themselves and they're not able to sort of stop or question or look at or turn over or work with their thoughts at all. They're just sort of this waterfall of constant thinking. And so in David Foster Wallace's words, learning how to think, and this is what he said, really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. So notice, exercise some control, not that you're forcing, uh, not that you have sort of supreme control over how and what you think, but that you have some control, that you have a capacity to inject some awareness into, oh, hold on, what was that thought? What do I think about that thought? Do I agree with that thought? Or was that just an automatic reflexive belief uh, that popped up or uh, judgment that popped up? And David Foster Wallace goes on to say, it can be easy to spend our entire lives accepting our natural default ways of thinking rather than choosing to look differently at life. The only thing that is capital T truth is that you get to decide how you're going to try to see life and how you construct meaning from experience. Now, I think that that is... And the more that I've sat with this, the more that I've sort of uh, looked at Stoic philosophies and principles and modalities, and the more that I've read David Foster Wallace and had conversations with other men and sat with my mentors who have challenged my thinking, um, the more that that this notion stands out, that how you construct meaning is really from experience. And so we need to think about what our experience looks like. We need to feel into the fullness of our experience from a physical standpoint. But we also need to be able to inject some consciousness, some control, some capacity to interrupt the natural patterns of our thinking. Because for most of us, and and maybe you've experienced this, you sit down to meditate, you close your eyes, and all of a sudden what you become present to, what you become aware of, is a cascade of noise, of words, of sentences, of thoughts, beliefs, patterns of thinking that you didn't even know were happening. And for a lot of the men that I've worked with over the years, that can be the deterrent, right, for meditating. And a lot of men, and maybe, again, maybe this is, is you, will say, well, I don't know how to meditate, right? I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to just sit still and breathe and listen to my thoughts. And it's not that most men don't know how to meditate. It's that when they sit down, it's not silent, right? When they sit down, they realize that they don't know how to interrupt their own thinking. They don't know how to interrupt their own thinking. And so the volume 
of what they become present to internally is monumental. And for any man, that's frustrating, right? To be met with a kind of powerlessness to our own internal dialogue, to be met with the kind of overwhelm to our own internal dialogue is frustrating at best. And so how do you begin to learn how to think? Well, I think that David Foster Wallace puts it into this speech, right? That you start to uh, question some of the thoughts. You start to exert some control over, is that thought mine? You know, do I really believe that thought that just happened about my wife, about my child? Uh, Is that a thought that I want to continue uh, to hold? Is that judgment that I have of the person on the Republican Party and the Democratic Party correct? Can I be critical of that judgment? And to start to insert a more critical lens of some of the thoughts that are happening. Now, in order to do that, you probably need to slow down for a moment. You probably need to put the phone away. You probably need to uh, you know, close the porn tabs and, and turn away from the computer, pick up a pen and paper, and to start to write out some of the things that you're thinking. You know, This is why uh, something like Jordan Peterson's authoring program gained so much po- popularity was because picking up a pen and paper and writing out your thoughts and your beliefs can be incredibly powerful for you to have a visualization of the unquestioned waterfall of thoughts that are always going on within you. So begin there, sit down with a pen and paper and put some of your thoughts out to pen and paper to to view them and then critique them, analyze them, question them. Where did they come from? What are their origins? Are, Are those thoughts that you really believe? Are they thoughts that you have just adopted blindly? and start to take a kind of um, stock and and assessment of your thinking process. How much of it is self-deprecative? How much of it is maybe blind and unruly? You know, when I started this process, it was very challenging because what I started to get present to was a few things. One, my internal dialogue was incredibly harmful. Like there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of anger towards myself. There's a lot of shame for who I was. There's a lot of self-loathing towards my actions and my decisions and who I wasn't and, and how I wasn't good enough, and the things that I hadn't done. And so I had to start to question those things. And in the questioning of them, I could start to see that there was room for gratitude. There was room to appreciate and praise the actions that I had taken. I also started to get present to how much I didn't know about myself, about the world around me, and that was humbling in a sense. And so the other part of this is being and cultivating a mindfulness or a meditation practice, so beginning to just sit and notice the overwhelming uh, cascade that is present, to just see if you can build up a little bit of a tolerance to be with that part without changing it, without altering it, without needing to do anything about it but to just listen to potentially and notice some of the patterns that continue to emerge within your thinking process. And then to just subtly question those patterns, right? Are, are they true? What would happen if I changed? What happens if I didn't have that belief? What would be possible? And then finally is to see how you are constructing meaning from experience, to notice 
that as you experience life, as you're in a conversation with your wife or your kids or your girlfriend or your boss or your a family member, that you are constantly thinking about the experience that you're having. So real time in the moment, you can get more present to what am I thinking about this interaction? Did I just disagree with them? Did I just agree with them automatically? Uh, and, and to become a little bit more conscious, a little bit more aware, a little bit more present to the thoughts that are happening constantly as you experience the everyday nature of your life. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I hope that you subscribe and uh, and comment below with any questions that you had about this or what you thought of this, what you would add in. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, by all means, share this episode with somebody that you think will enjoy it. And feel free to message me and let me know what other kinds of questions and conversations you would like to hear on the podcast. Until next week, it's Connor Beaton signing off.